Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 2, Chapter 1, Many Meetings, Exploring the Relationship of Community in Reunion. Anna, I am so happy to be reunited with you after our break from Season 1. What are you most excited about for Season 2? Reunited and it feels so good. Is that good? We're back together. That was the appropriate amount of both pomp and circumstance, I think. I can uh, drop some some air horn sounds later. (laughs) It's a good thought. Yeah. It's a good thought. What am I most excited about for season two? Uh, I am excited for all the new characters we're about to meet. Yes. I am so thrilled. So Mm -hmm. thrilled to be into uh, some of my favorite characters that we'll meet uh, actually, I think, next episode. So looking forward to like digging into some of that more. No worries, listeners, we will skip most of the lineage conversation Mm. and just get into the like fun sort of banter and play between the different uh, different characters. Mm -hmm. And you? Uh, certainly the burgeoning friendship between Legolas and Gimli. Their Mm -hmm. just relationship tracked throughout the trilogy is one of my favorites, and Mm -hmm. we don't get to see them until, until book two here, so yeah, I can't wait to, can't wait to meet them because I love them. Mm -hmm. Very excited for their dynamic. Their dynamic with Aragorn is a delight. Mm -hmm. We get more of Aragorn's backstory mm-hmm. and his sort of dealings with the elves up until this point. Just so, so very good. So many things to come. Yes. So excited to to meet more characters. I, okay, so I'm really looking forward to our discussion of this week's chapter in particular because I have some questions about some of the backstory we get. Mm. And well, and it was finally clarified. I don't want to jump ahead too much. Who calls forth the river? Right. I know we spent a lot of time on that in our last episode being like, wait, what is happening here? And I'm Mm -hmm, happy that mm -hmm. we finally got some clarity and learned who did that. Yes, there's a lot of things that we learn both in in this chapter and I believe in the next as well. So I think that'll lay some groundwork for what's to come after these first two chapters. I'm just Mm -hmm. so excited for that. Same. So, Ellen, without much further ado, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story where we discuss and you'll share some examples of community in reunion. Yes. So my story today on reunion, for better or worse, I lived all of my childhood and most of your childhood in the same home and in the same town, never really leaving for more than a week at a time, maybe for a family vacation or something similar. The first time that I'd ever really left home for any extended period of time was when I moved out to go to college. And I loved my college, so I wasn't really homesick while I was there. But I do remember vividly my first trip back to my hometown after having been at school for a few months, maybe two or three. 
I took the bus back and I remember my excitement mounting to like almost mania as we pulled into town and I saw the movie theater and the Olive Garden. And what was that? The Farm and Fleet. Uh, I was just so excited to see all of these very familiar sights and our dad picked me up from the bus stop and I remember just like twisting and turning in the front seat of his car like soaking in and pointing out all of the truly mundane sights of our town as if I were seeing them for the first time. And I was so, I was so excited to be reunited with this community but also like very eager to share how different I was and how much I had grown after a mere two months away. In self-reflection, 18 is a somewhat self-absorbed age, I think. But what I hadn't counted on was that the town and the people in it were not holding their breath for my arrival as I was, and that life had really continued there without me being present. And I still had a very restful and enjoyable visit. I got to spend time with our parents. I got to visit some friends from high school who were still nearby. But similar to how Frodo felt as he's sitting in the hall of fire, I remember feeling a little bit forlorn that not every detail had lived up to my heightened expectations in my triumphant return home. So that's my story, and the question that I'm left with, both from that reflection and from today's chapter, is do reunions ever really live up to their expectations? I think a fair question, and one that we see Frodo grapple with a bit as he encounters Bilbo in Rivendell, and it feels as though... Frodo is both comforted by kind of that interaction, but also has grown and changed since then. And so the expectations he has for that interaction feel maybe rooted in where he was previously. And it kind of sounds like that's where you were as well in your story, is that we forget sometimes the the continuous thread of our own lives and noticing whether we have or have not changed. And so bringing expectations of reigniting or reinvigorating previously held expectations, previously held relationships, maybe are a bit built on a a foundation of sand just because you've changed. And, and that's okay, and it doesn't make that interaction any less valuable. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've had a lot of reunions having not lived near family for a very long time. And I feel like when I come back, I'm, I'm getting better at remembering that, again, not only have I changed, but I am not coming back to the same place and everyone's lives didn't pause while I was away. Like, Mm -hmm. you want it to feel sort of the same, but at the same time, like, the reunion is, it's going to be different than it last was just because everyone's been out living their lives for the past however many months have gone between. 
I think, too, sometimes that can be why reunions, maybe family reunions, maybe um, classmate reunions, maybe friends reunions, then rely on shared experiences of the past. Because Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. are sort of those indelible memories that you can return to. They're familiar and they allow you to maybe recall also the relationship that you had with one another at that time instead of trying to transition through where life has taken you and to grapple with a a changing relationship. I think that's right. I think my most successful reunions tend to be with people, I'm especially thinking of some of my high school friends, where it's so fun to go back and talk about the shenanigans of our youth, but we also know where we've been in the more than a decade since where we can recognize that things are different. And I feel like Frodo and Bilbo kind of get a little bit of that here where they're they're catching up on news from the Shire and they want to hear what the two of them have been up to. But I, I sense from Frodo that it's not exactly how he wanted it. And I think it's because he's not the same. He's been very much changed by his, his journey to Rivendell. Right. And I think when you, I think to your point about expectations, that's really where it feels like you can manage your expectations for the meeting. You could kind of control what your experience is in that situation by focusing on what am I expecting from this interaction? Is it that I want it to be exactly the same as, you know, when I last saw this person? And if that's how I'm judging success, then that's less likely to happen than if I approach it maybe as I get to learn something about what this person has been doing since then, or, you know, that we are going to maybe exclusively talk about the times that we shared. And so we won't talk as much about, you know, what's happened since then. And that's okay. That serves a purpose. And so I can, I can feel that the the outcome sort of matches what I went in expecting a little bit more directly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I feel like we've sort of been dancing around some of the things that actually happen in this chapter. Do you want to go ahead and give us a rundown of the highlights so that everyone can be on the same page? Absolutely. Previously, in Book 1, Chapter 11, <laughs> we left our hero, Frodo, shouting from an opposite riverbank at nine ringwraiths, who are mysteriously, magically washed away by the river waters. So, in this chapter, Frodo awakes in Rivendell, which is the house of Elrond, and Gandalf is there! They're reunited! Gandalf gives a little bit of his backstory about why he couldn't meet Frodo as he was originally intending to, and it turns out that Gandalf was held captive, and that's why he was delayed, but he doesn't give many details about that. Frodo's shoulder is healing, now that a fragment of the blade with which he was stabbed was removed by Elrond. Rivendell feasts in Frodo's honor. Bilbo is there, and apparently has been there for some time, so they are reunited. Strider is also there, and we've learned he has another nickname, which is Dunedain, or a man of the West. That's what Bilbo calls him. Bilbo makes up and sings a song. Bilbo and Frodo leave to discuss their travels, and the chapter ends with a discussion of a council meeting that's set for tomorrow, at which Bilbo and Frodo are both expected to be present. 
when you started with the previously, it made me think of Gilmore Girls <laughs> because that's how all of the episodes would start when they were going live and it'd be like on a previous episode of Gilmore Girls. So I mm-hmm. kind of wanted to do the la la las while you were talking, like la 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 la, but I refrained. <laughs> they would have been welcome. They were they were going to be welcome la la las. Yeah, a little little Carol King background song. That's right. So, given that that's what happened, where did you see in those events or or elsewhere examples of this week's theme? Well, the the biggest one, I think, is the first one, where Gandalf and Frodo are reunited. And I a lot of this chapter is devoted to them catching up. But I, I think there are some more interesting examples if we dig a little deeper beyond what we first see. On page 252, there is a sentence I'd like to look at. Quote, Looking in a mirror, he was startled to see a much thinner reflection of himself than he remembered. And this is Frodo taking a look at himself in a mirror, having not seen himself really since he left the Shire. And it reminded me of being reunited with yourself. I don't have an experience where I had physically changed and I was shocked to see how different I looked in that way. But I have had moments of self-reflection where I'm like, oh, that's me now. Like, I am I am much different than I was then. And you sort of become reunited with yourself. So I thought that that was a, an interesting moment there in the book. And kind of an interesting marriage between he looks like his younger self, but his eyes are the cue that mm. he's, he's mm-hmm. aged and seen some more things. So I just thought that was an interesting, like, both a maybe regression isn't quite the right word, but sort of a return to an earlier physicality, but also the sort of wizened, worldly young hobbit mm-hmm. looking back at him in the mirror, which I thought was an interesting juxtaposition. The next one that I wanted to look at is also on page 252. It's just below where we were, and it said, quote, At that moment, there was a knock on the door, and Sam came in. He ran to Frodo and took his left hand awkwardly and shyly. And that one stuck out to me because some along-awaited reunions are very awkward. And I feel like, oh my god, I'm so excited to see you, and now I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, where are we going to sit, and what should we talk about, and... Have you ever had that where it's just like you're so excited to see somebody and then you get there and it's like, I don't know what to do with all this excess energy. Yes, I often feel that's where I really then focus on the logistics. So exactly what you said, where are we going to sit? What are we going to eat? And I like try and move the interaction along by making those micro decisions Mm -hmm. instead of just like, allowing it to be a little uncomfortable and then leaning into that and and talking to the person that you're you're sharing time with is not a strong suit of mine at all so I'm definitely a what do you want to do about this what about this awkwardly and shyly yes it makes me think about in the end of Pride and Prejudice when we're meeting Georgiana Mm -hmm. and how she's sort of prodded like hey no you're the hostess like you should do this and you should do that and here's how you can practice hosting a group of ladies i want i need that i need that practice Mm -hmm. 
and I feel like it would help me be less awkward and shy in some of my long-awaited reunions. Absolutely. So that's Sam. The next example I wanted to look at is with the other hobbits, and that's on page 253. We have just been reunited with Mary and Pippin, and what else? They're ready to talk about food. And Pippin says, You have shown your usual cunning in getting up just in time for a meal. More than a meal, a feast, said Mary. And I know that we've talked about food in community and how important that is, but I feel like feasts and foods are something that are so, they're so key to relationship building and reunions. Like when you are reuniting with somebody, even if it's only been two weeks, it's never just like, oh, let's go sit somewhere. It's like, let's go grab a coffee. Let's go grab lunch. And the the food aspect of a reunification to me felt very prescient here, that they were celebrating everyone coming back together with a feast. It reminds me of that scene, speaking of, you know, speaking of Gilmore Girls, it reminds me of that episode where Mia and Emily meet for the first time. Mm. And Mia says, would you like a cup of tea? You know, it's nice in moments like this because there are things to hold and stir. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of speaks to your earlier point about feeling awkward and shy and maybe not sure how to be physically present. Mm -hmm. The distraction almost or the very direct action of eating and managing that Mm -hmm. kind of allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable because you're not just maybe most vulnerable or most open space where you're just like, and here I am staring at you and here you are staring at me and this is what we're doing now. Right. And gives you a prop Mm -hmm. and also very really takes care of a a physical need of, hey, you might be hungry and it's easier to, to have a chat on a full stomach. And those silences feel a little less awkward because then you can just chew through Mm -hmm. them. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sipping my soup. The last example that I had on here is perhaps the most prescient. And we talked a little bit about it in my story where Frodo and Bilbo are finally reunited. And this happens on page 258. Quote, the dark figure raised its head and uncovered its face. Bilbo, cried Frodo with sudden recognition, and he sprang forward. Hello, Frodo, my lad, said Bilbo. And then they have a nice chat about, you know, how Frodo has arrived. And Frodo is asking how Bilbo has been, why he wasn't at the feast. And it, it sort of implied here that Bilbo looks much older. And maybe that's easier to pick up from having seen the movies because there is a a good physical transformation of the character at this reunification. But I just I thought that there was a lot there in that in that moment of two people who have really are they are family and they have so much shared history. And now they have both had two very different experiences separately before coming back together again and it's shifted their relational dynamic a little bit and it seems like you know frodo maybe is on a trajectory to to live a life akin to that of bilbo's and so from bilbo's perspective it feels like he's encouraged but also maybe saddened that frodo is having this experience like he has more experiences with which bilbo can relate now but that that comes at a great cost 
for Frodo's youth. And I feel like that kind of melancholy is interspersed with the conversation that Bilbo and Frodo seem to have. Did you pick up on anything like that? I did, yeah. And I think also, and maybe we'll talk about this more in the next chapter, but the fact that Bilbo and Frodo's adventures are so different, Mm -hmm. and one is like, fun with trolls, gold at the end, and the other one is like, six months of traumatic hiking. Like, they are just two different scenarios and I think maybe Bilbo here kind of sees like I didn't mean to cause all of this trouble and I see this burden that you have inherited from me and I think that melancholy is is very much present here amongst all of their joy and gossiping about the Shire mm-hmm. for sure Did you have any examples that I missed that you wanted to bring up? I didn't, but I did have a question for Mm, you. mm -hmm. Okay, so sort of pivoting a bit on the discussion here. As I was reading in the first part of the chapter, Gandalf, you know, is having this conversation with Frodo, who's just awoken as to how Frodo was saved from the Nine Ring Rays and like a little bit more about the Ring Rays. And so we learned that the rays are all consumed by the ring and that they are, they're sort of attacked by the water that's called forth, but that their horses are real horses. Like, that's why you can see them and the horses don't really change shape or or, um, sort of presence when Frodo puts the ring on. Mm -hmm. And so I had this thought as I was reading, like, so... Did the ringwraiths, like, get together and, like, make a uniform decision? Like, literally on, like, the black robes Mm -hmm. as the look. We don't have our earthly bodies as we used to. This is how we're gonna, like, really pull ourselves together as a unit. And that we should lobby the Dark Lord for for the special horses Mm -hmm. that are created in Mordor because other animals, just normal animals freak out like was there a trial and error of the transport like they tried yeah, a ring wraith mean, llama and it, it was like no I don't maybe they had to, to like this. put in a requisition order like listen you've been asking a lot of us and we feel like you need to meet our needs and you know meet us halfway and give us a nice horse in which we can at least accomplish your bidding because it's a lot to have to walk around and do all of this without transportation I don't know. I was also, like, a little bit confused about the origin of the horses. Mm -hmm. Does it say in there that they are made in Mordor? So Frodo says on my page 249 that uh, why could we... He asks why they could see their horses. And Gandalf replies because they're real, Mm. just as the black robes are real. Born and bred. Um, why do these black horses... Yeah, born and bred to the service of the Dark Lord in Mordor. Mm. Not all his servants and chattels are raids. And I was fascinated by this. So he has, like, his own ranch? Yeah. Dude ranch. <laughs> the Dark Lord? Yeah, the Dark Lord dude ranch. horse stock out there, and, uh... I don't know, I guess it's probably, like, some orcs job. Right. And it's funny to think of the mundane behind the the great evil (laughs) right like cloak cloak sizes 
cloak sizes, ordering it for the group, making sure that the orcs and urukai are being birthed on a regular pace, forming all of the different weapons. You have to come in and sign those out. Like who? There's bureaucracy. <laughs> who is There's managing bureaucracy this? In it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And like the idea, like I just love this quote. So it says, all other animals are terrified when they draw near, even the elf horse of Glorfindel. The dogs howl and the geese scream at them. <laughs> like, geese are bold. <laughs> Just yelling at a ring <laughs> I love that. I, uh, I had a couple of quotes, too, that I found mm-hmm. kind of hilarious. Frodo, on page 247, he's talking to Gandalf. And he says, quote, I am glad, said Frodo, for I have become very fond of Strider. Well, fond is not the right word. I mean, he is dear to me, though he is strange and grim at times. (laughs) I just felt like Aragorn was really relatable in that moment. Strange and grim. Yeah. (laughs) He's like a little too serious, Mm -hmm. but he's really reliable. So you're like, yeah, all right. He had a quote earlier on that page as well that said, but talking would stop me thinking and wondering, which are quite as tiring. And I thought that that was another funny Frodoism. Like, you're right. Thinking mm-hmm. and wondering can be just as tiring as talking and listening. Absolutely. And then when they're reunited with Gandalf and... So Pippin is, like, shouting and excited to see Frodo that he's awake and calls him Lord of the Ring because Pippin is Pippin and that's what he's doing. And Gandalf says, Hush, said Gandalf from the shadows at the back of the porch. Evil things do not come into this valley, but all the same, we should not name them. The Lord of the Ring is not Frodo, but the master of the Dark Tower of Mordor, whose power is again stretching out over the world. We are sitting in a fortress. Outside, it is getting dark. And Pippin goes, Gandalf has been saying many cheerful things like that. He thinks I need keeping in order. <laughs> I I laughed out loud at that. He just will not be, his spirit will not be dampened. Yeah, he's got, he's got quite a few quips, mm-hmm. little pip quips mm-hmm. that he pip shares quips. with the world, which I love. Pip quips. Pip quips is a, maybe that can be our new segment of the podcast. <laughs> uh, I'll write it down. Yeah. Putting it in the book. Those are my two most notable quotes. I thought those were a fun moment of levity that we didn't have. I mean, the this chapter of the book really, I think, speaks to the tenor of the, the journey. Mm-hmm. They're feeling safer. People are healing. You're reunited. So it feels there's more levity. It feels lighter yeah. um, than, than the last few chapters have felt. Um, and that was nice. It was a nice reprieve, both for the reader and clearly for our characters as well. They are in a place of refuge. That's right. Okay, so that leaves us with the action item for today. Are you feeling prepared to share? I am, and it's very similar to what we were talking about earlier with regards to reunions and expectations. Today, I am asking everyone to stage a reunion with someone that you haven't spoken to in at least a month. It can be virtual or in real life, and there are bonus points if there is food 
although it doesn't have to be a feast. But as you stage this reunion, try to enter this with no other motive than to reconnect and really enjoy the reconnection as it happens rather than trying to match that with any previously held expectations. I love that. I already have someone on my list. Well, thank you, Anna, for another great discussion. And I look forward to reading another chapter with you next week. Today's podcast was brought to you by The Last Homely House East of the Sea, a perfect house. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. <clears throat> I meant to mute myself for that. Okay, well. <laughs> 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 um, well. I'll cut all that out, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>